Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with British-Nigerian jazz singer Ola Onabule. We caught up with him in late April 2020 to talk about this new coronavirus world we live in without live jazz and the obstacles it has given us all. He talked about his latest studio album and how he has built a very solid music career through a relentless schedule in both the recording studio and as an international touring performer. He has always been interested in crossing cultural and musical boundaries. His path to today is a fascinating one in this surreal world we live in. So, enjoy. How are you holding up over in uh, your neck of the woods? Uh, it's surreal, that's for sure. But uh, I think we're, we're kind of coming to terms with it all now. It's been um, five weeks in the making. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're beginning to find a rationale for it all. And you, how's it, how's it going down over where you are? Same way, man. You know, it's been like a month and a half. I mean, I think one of the weirdest things out of all of this is when there's a president or a prime minister or somebody that gets it. And uh, Boris got it over there, right? Didn't he go in the hospital? He did. Yeah, and he was in intensive yeah. care. So, I mean, that's weird when that kind of thing happens. I know, I know. I must say that I started off with a kind of mild skepticism and then... You started knowing people personally who got it, and then you saw the prime minister get it, and then it really ratcheted up again. You thought, oh, this, this, this is real, and it's scary. And, uh, you know, you just hope that the right people have the right answers for it. Well, again, thank you for taking a minute out. I guess my first question to you is, what have you been doing as far as, like, anything artistically speaking, creatively induced to kind of, uh, deal with all of this? Um, I've uh, been busier than ever, strangely enough. I've uh, done um, a, a couple of collaborative things with um, uh, um, uh, the Umo Helsinki Jazz Orchestra. Uh, so this is a Finnish big band who I was due to be doing some concerts with throughout April. And obviously the, April, uh, the uh, concerts couldn't happen. So they came up with the uh, good idea, the, the great idea of everyone recording their parts for a couple of the songs that we would have played in the uh, in, in our concerts um, individually at home, remotely, and then they would, you know, assemble the whole thing, and uh, we've posted those on 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 social media, and that's done well. Um, I've also been asked by Moomin, the microphone company that uh, endorsed me. Um, to uh, record a couple of acoustic songs for them. So they forced me to pick up my guitar again and start playing, which I haven't done for a few decades. Uh, and uh, various other collabor collaborations, you know, so writing songs with people that we're going to present remotely. So it's, it's, in a strange way, it's been quite busy. I've kept myself occupied that way. And let, me, let me go back to the beginning of your life. I know... Um where, where were you born and raised, and kind of how did you get involved with music? I was I was born in the UK. I was born uh, in London, um, and we stayed in London for about seven years. I was born to Nigerian parents, uh, and so after the age of about seven, they were ready to go back home. They'd only come to the UK to study, so we headed back to Nigeria, and I was there for ten years, and then sent back to the UK to to be educated as a lawyer, and somewhere in the middle of my law um, uh, studies, I discovered music. I discovered, discovered soul and jazz music, and 
and turned my back on the law. So uh, uh, that's, that's more or less how it happened. There had not been any musicians in my family until I showed up. Uh, so it was a bit of a shock for all. But, uh, yeah, it, it, you, know, you know how music is. It finds you and it never lets go. Yeah, without a doubt. So talk to me about your beginnings as a professional. What, what, what were some of the shows? How did you kind of gain steam? I uh, initially was signed to um, uh, Warner Brothers. That deal fell through because we just couldn't find, settle on a, on, on a direction for the kind of music I, I, I could be making that we both agreed on. Um, so when I was let go, um, I built a studio in my house and I started songwriting. Um, and when it was done, I shopped it around for a bit. No one seemed quite sure what to do with it. So I had the crazy idea, and this was 20 years ago, of putting the record out myself. I printed up a thousand copies and released it, uh, thinking, oh well, you know, this will be some, this will be a, something to do, uh, uh, for a fun summer, and then I'll have to get back to doing something, uh, responsible and uh, practical uh, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but the album I put out um, did incredibly well. Um, a lot of DJs picked it up um, and it got uh, a lot of great write-ups and I started getting books to do shows. And I haven't looked back since. You know. So, yeah, that, that's, that's more of how I how I became, you know, found myself uh, being a professional musician. And I've released um, all of my albums independently since then uh, and built recording studios with the aim of, you know, improving the art of making the records and and getting them out and about. What do you like best about being a musician? What's the, what's the biggest thrill? Um, I think it's uh, the impact that you get to have in people's lives. Um, and the connection, the strange connection between sitting in a in a room on your own and writing a song, um, and knowing that the more honest you are, the more personal you are, the more open. Uh, oh, sorry, the more you open yourself up, and the more vulnerability that you express and put into the song. Um, the more impact you're going to have, the more connection you're going to make with the audience. Um, and the more uh, uh, visceral and profound that impact can be. So, you know, people will often tell me that they had the music playing when their child was being born or it was the music that they sent uh, 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 an elderly relative off to as they were being buried or as they walked down the aisle with them. Having that kind of uh, 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 impact on people's personal and most powerful moments, it can be incredibly rewarding without a shadow of a doubt. It's not, it's not something I imagined. When I first started off as a musician, I thought it was all about, you know, uh, being popular and having an ego and, and being appealing to the ladies and all, all that superficial stuff. And then you very quickly find that... Um, this is a primeval act that we human beings engage in, you know, the arrangement of notes and words and emotions, um, and that it has a, an infinitely more uh, important purpose. 
What about mentors? Who's been some big inspirations that really taught you a lot? Uh, the, the, the personal mentors, so the people like my, my dad, who was uh, um, an, inc- an incredibly principled uh, man who, you know, gave me, without meaning, without knowing so, gave me some of the essentials for uh, being a good artist, which is to be true to yourself and be honest and to, you know, and to not let your uh, e- ego uh, cons- consume you destructively. And then the, the um, creative um, mentors, uh, people like, uh, uh, who, who essentially are heroes, so they're not mentors in that they, they haven't personally kind of conferred any wisdoms or, uh, or uh, you know, adages on me. But, but you know, I've, I've followed what they've done musically. People like uh, Donnie Hathaway, Stevie Wonder, Miles Davis, Ruth Franklin, um, oh God, there's so many, um, so 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 many. Uh, Ray Charles, absolutely adores Nat King Cole. My father played a lot of that when I was growing up, and so I uh, consumed a lot of that. Nelson Riddle, amazing um, uh, arranger, uh, who arranged a lot of the Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole tunes. Um, just a, a vast range of exceptionally gifted people who I because I didn't go to music school I think what I found myself doing was you know uh, gleaning uh, essentials from from all the music that I loved and admired as I grew up so what was the first live jazz show you saw that made you think man this is something I might want to do with my life uh, the first live jazz show I think was Nina Simone at Ronnie Scott's in the, uh, ooh, I'd say, very early 80s. Um, yeah, I was at law school and, you know, some friends and I decided we'd, we'd head out and, and catch a bit of Nina Simone and, and she was just electrifying and the musicianship and the stagecraft. She had, she had a quirky kind of way of of uh, delivering her songs that seemed very kind of very honest, very no frills kind of approach. Uh, anyway, I was captivated by it, and uh, yeah, and, and it made me aspire to to, do, to doing some of that. So, why do you love jazz? I think it's the conversation. I think uh, I think the conversation that jazz represents for me seems very it's it's like a, a metaphor for life um if you're willing to 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 listen and immerse yourself in what other people are saying only then can you be um uh, uh, truly responding when you when when you respond you know you can only be addressing uh, what's being said if you've really listened to what being, what's being said. And only in doing so can you make a worthwhile contribution that keeps the conversation going. And, and, I, and I like that about jazz, and, you know, the fact that it's not, the, the, the essence of it is not set piece. It's not a done deal. And so it, it, um, in being an artist, you avoid artifice. You, you 
pursue the truth of the moment, the honesty of the moment. And and I, and I like that. Um, it's the thing that keeps me coming back to that way of expressing myself. We're going to get back to the music. It's it's going to be something that will happen. I mean, the question is obviously when, but it will happen. <laughs> and when we do, what do you hope both yeah. the audience and musician realizes? What revelations we get from this time away? I think how ephemeral life and time and our connections are. I think we just can't keep barreling along, um, uh, you know, immersing ourselves in frivolity and uh, hyper-consumption. And, you know, I think there's, there's been a lot of uh, wastage uh, both in uh, abstract abstractions and and you know uh, actual actual things, we've there's been a lot of um, you know r- reaching for stuff that uh, is only uh, that doesn't fulfil on on the deepest possible levels. I, I personally will be looking to express more things that are uh, the truest possible things that I can find within myself to express about the human spirit. Because that's the thing that's come to the fore. You know you know how we've all suddenly discovered that the true heroes in, in this world um, are uh, the gentlest, most, you know, everyday people. They're your neighbor, they're nurses. And uh, they've got kids and they've got a grandmother at home, but they know they took a Hippocratic oath that means that they have to go into a place where they haven't been adequately, um, you know, uh, looked after with with the, with the uh, protective gear they need, the protective clothing they need. Um, so all of that stuff, you know, will linger on, I hope, and we'll all... We'll all treat one another a bit more kindly, and uh, and hopefully that will be conveyed in a lot of the music that we make. Right on. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, that you're living your life. Who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, my good Lord. Who do I think I am? Um, I don't know. I think I'm... Uh, I think I'm a very, very um, uh, uh, decisive person. I think I, I, you know, I launch myself into projects and I and I stay with them until they're done. I think I'm probably, I think I'm probably quite headstrong. I think uh, I think I won't be shifted from uh, a thought or a decision that I've made. Um, I like to think I'm hardworking. I think I throw myself into stuff, and you know, and I and I don't I don't back out. I don't back down from a, from a job at hand. I know that I'm, I'm I can also in a crazy kind of in a in a uh, contradicting way I can also be quite lazy. I can dawdle a lot, and then I'll have you know amazing bursts of energy. This this is this is like therapy. This is. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. You'd, you'd have to ask someone who, who knew me quite well, I think. Well, I think you answered it just fine. Um, 
I appreciate you taking some time out today to talk with me. And uh, stay safe. Good luck out there. Oh, and the same to you, Joe. Thank you very much. What, a, what an interesting uh, little chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in England, Nigeria, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Olaf for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.